This is the Soulpreneur Lifestyle Podcast, your go-to place for creative ideas on how to run your business in a way that lights you up and gives you purpose, all in a way that still allows you to live the lifestyle that you want to live. And I'm your host, Simran Bhatia. And this episode is brought to you by the Flowation.com directory of spiritual-minded healers and professionals. Imagine a resource where you can search for like-minded professionals to help you with everyday life issues, as well as to help guide you along your spiritual journey. We're launching soon, so soulpreneurs of every profession come join the waitlist to learn how you can promote your business, products, or services on the Floation directory at floation.com backslash directory waitlist. That is F-L-O-W-A-T-I-O-N.com backslash directory waitlist. A universe of opportunities awaits you. Today's guest is Danielle Brooker from the Daisy Patch, and we talked about some really interesting concepts here that she, you know, brings about when she's doing her life coaching, and that was how you can actually be really attached to a negative comfort zone and not realize it, and to bring awareness to that can really help you bust through some limiting beliefs and actually make the shift around your habits that are causing you to have a reality that's not really working for you and what to do and what steps to take to really actually move into a place where you have created a positive comfort zone and are ready to expand into your you know capabilities and we also discussed the idea of what happens in an energetic exchange when you are trying to do business with someone and she gives some creative insight into how to actually expand your business when you might not have a lot of capital on hand. Today's guest with me is Danielle Brooker. She is a so today's guest coach who has experience in multi, you know, areas of and different tools that we're going to talk about. Um, right before recording this, we actually did a live coaching session and she helped me bring up some really amazing insights into one of the topics that we're going to talk about negative comfort zones. So please listen into that later. But today I just want to welcome Danielle and thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, you're so welcome. I'm really excited for our conversation. So I wanted to just kind of get into the tools that you use as a coach, because a number of them were ones that I hadn't even heard of before. Um, So I'd love for you to educate the audience. Um, You mentioned something about NLP and neuroscience and metadynamics. Um, So can you talk about each of them, break them down, the concepts, what are these tools, how do you apply them, and what kind of impact are you seeing with your clients once you are using them? Yeah, great question. And I I think this is a really cool question because coaching is that industry that's really broad and there's lots of different techniques and training schools and schools of thought. You know, you really could, um, and obviously you bring in your personality to coaching as well. So there's, there's lots in it. 
I'll, those, those few terms that you mentioned, um, so let me break them down a little bit. So NLP could be something that if you've started to explore coaching a little bit, you know, for yourself, um, you know, either to receive coaching or maybe you're thinking of becoming a coach or something like that. NLP is called, it's um, an acronym for Neuro Linguistic Programming. And it's really this, um, you know, I'm just going to put it in my own words. It's like this uh, system or methodology that's all around understanding your thoughts, understanding that your thinking creates your actions and really kind of identifying that what happens is we create all these patterns that, in our head and how do we untangle them a little bit and make sense of them. Um, so neuro meaning in the brain, linguistic meaning the words that then come out of our mouth, right? And programming is just kind of this concept of thinking that actually as we're developing and growing up, we're kind of adopting a lot of this inbuilt subconscious autopilot programming that we haven't even kind of thought twice about since then. The other cool thing with NLP is if you've ever thought in the context of or, or heard people talking about how we have um, some crazy statistic, you know, like two million thoughts a day or something ridiculous. And you think of your kind of your own personal mind as being the fil filtration system. So you can only compute so much of that. Like you, you can't flood the system with all of that. You're not going to be able to digest it all at the same time. So every single person's mind has their own unique filtration system. You're going to kind of understand and make sense of that piece of information based on your personal experience. And that's, that's kind of like the, the simplest way that I, that I can think to explain it. Neuroscience is literally the science of the brain. So the, the reason I pop that down is like, I just find it fascinating to understand how the brain works, right? To literally understand that like the wires in our brain, you know, date back to, you know, millennia, um, but specifically how our brain was formed and neuroscientists would probably like cringe at the way that I talk about this because it really just is in my, my own personal terms, right? So I'm always like, sorry, neuroscientists. Um, but it's really like, I just think of it as like our brain was literally built um, for survival. Like it was, you know, I think of caveman era, You've, you may or may not have heard people talk about it when they talk about fear and they talk about, you know, the, the lion or the tiger chasing you and what our bodily response goes into. So that's really, um, a lot of that comes from what we've learned through neuroscience. So the study of the brain. Um, and the reason I find that so cool is because when you can understand your impulses and when you can understand that it's built from a place of trying to keep you safe and survival mode, it makes a whole lot of sense as to why you might feel stressed more often or not speak up in front of your team or, um, you know, put something off and start procrastinating because how that's kind of manifested in our day-to-day -day modern world is there's not lions and tigers and bears chasing after us, but there are deadlines and difficult conversations with our friends. You know, like, so these like little uh, modern day stresses are building, building, building. What was the other one? Oh, metadynamics. <laughs> so um, now that I've given that whole kind of, um, so, so, so the other part of that then I guess metadynamics is just another technique or methodology, right? And what it does, it's what I'm trained in, um, is it incorporates NLP, which I think about as like thinking and 
your behavior, like your behavioral responses, and it brings in the emotional context. So it helps you then understand your emotional self and humans are emotional beings, right? So a lot of the time we might only think, oh, we need to change our thoughts about that. Or, you know, maybe I need a positive affirmation that'll solve any something, or maybe I just need to do something different. They're all great but on their own, they're not as effective. You kind of, you need all three to really have that trans, transformational change, like the, the change that's actually gonna hang around. Um, and part of metadynamics, or at least what I've trained in, brings in a lot of positive psychology concepts as well. Um, and positive psychology is really, you know, understanding the mind and, and how the mind works and thinking in terms of, um, you know, at its simplest form is, you know, instead of always focusing on everything that's going to go wrong, why, why not shift some of our attention to what, what, what could go right, like to see the possibility and the opportunity. And I, I am kind of distilling it down to its most simplest form. Is that helpful? Is there, is there more kind of nuances that would be valuable? That's super helpful. And it brings up a lot of questions for me. So maybe we'll get into the nuances in that. So now when you're talking neuroscience and you said, you know, we don't have cavemen or, or tigers or lions, whatever, running after us, is our brain still processing the idea that there's a stressful conversation coming or, you know, there is a looming deadline? Is it processing it the same way with the same chemicals? Yeah. So, I Despite mean, the fact that it's not a tiger and it's yeah. really just your boss. Yeah. So, I mean, in short, yes. Um, and just to say, like, I'm not a neuroscientist. Um, I just am fascinated by this. So this is all kind of self-learning and applying in my own life as well. But in short, yeah, what happens is because it's been built into our system, like it's, you kind of look, think of like a computer, the computer knows how to perform certain actions and that's how the brain was designed. Um, so its function, its primary function is to keep you safe, which means how it was built to do that is through what's called like a negativity bias. And what that means is it's constantly saying, am I safe? Am I safe? Is that, is that thing going to hurt me? Is that thing going to hurt me? Um, which means if your boss um, maybe raises their voice just a tiny bit, like it sounds a little bit like cranky at you that day, your, your brain immediately goes, oh, warning, warning sends, you know, sends the signals and chemical reactions to your nervous system to do something to protect you. And that might be to fight back and be like, how dare you be cranky at me? Um, that might be to quickly run away because like, you know, it's, a danger has been predicted, um, you know, or to just kind of freeze during de 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 the um, headlights. So we will all react in very different ways. So what I hear you saying though, is like it's, it's triggering fight or flight. And what is really interesting though about that is that if you really probably think about this in a very rudimentary way, these statistical chances back then of coming against, you know, um, someone like, a, not someone, a tiger or a lion that's about to eat you were less in the day then in modern society, the chances to be emotionally triggered, it's yeah. just, it's inundating nowadays. Yeah. And that probably does explain, and you can flesh this out, why people are so frazzled and overwhelmed nowadays 
Because if your body is receiving the sensory information, that warning, 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 so many times a day, mm -hmm. it's a lot to process and take in and then to calm down from. And I'm sorry, so pleased that you've brought this up because that's really the connecting factor is that, yeah, in the day you would run away from the tiger, you would reach your safety zone, maybe you reached the village, you ran into someone's home and you had a chance to relax. And actually, um, I hope I get the name right. So um, I went to this beautiful talk by two sisters who have written a book on burnout and they tell this, you know, this, this, this fun story about returning to the village. It's Emily. And Amelia, I want to say Nagasaki or Nagasaki, and I apologize to them that I, if I'm not getting their, their last name right, but I can follow up if you, if you want to share some notes. Um, but what, you know, they've studied all of the different stress research. And what it's saying is essentially what you just pointed out is that back at, you know, back in the caveman era, you would, you would essentially get to safety and have that kind of rest. And it's in that rest where your body then goes, I'm safe. And then the chemical reaction can change. And that's actually, you know, even when um, we talk about um, the nervous system in terms of why we do things like meditation and yoga, it's to get us into that rest state. Because you're right, today in our modern world, what we're doing is um, it's, it's more of like this constantly on mode. And, you know, you might feel like being on is not that stressful, but then you add a little bit more to your to-do list and then you, you keep at it for like five, 10 years. And then suddenly you're like, why am I feeling so lethargic all of a sudden? I used to be able to keep up. Yeah. And, you know, it's because you, you haven't built in any of the rest factor. So that's where things like chronic stress build up in your system. I can so deeply identify that because I did go through a period of time for a couple of years where I just felt like I was on constantly for five or six years and then finally hit this period of just rest. And it was like I, I collapsed upon myself, I think, just yeah. from burnout. Um, but what I find really fascinating about this is that what you're talking about in the neuroscience of it is so, you know, what I teach is creating systems to combat. Yeah. all of that so that to me rest is the plateau place and then from rest you can get to flow you yeah. can't get to flow from negativity yeah. and so really it's so intricate that like if you're going to be in this constant state of fight or flight throughout the day from emotional triggers or just you know everything else that's going on it makes it so difficult to get to a flow state where yeah. you're entering creativity and your zone of genius and all of that. Yeah. So from, so as a coach, what do you teach your clients about this? Is it you're primarily teaching yoga and meditation or are there other tools that you're teaching them to enter that state of rest and enter yeah. that state of neutrality? Sorry. It's yeah, what you said, so many different ways to take this. So this question really excites me um, because this is really the heart of what I do. Yeah, because this is what happens is we're go, go, go. And that's where things like busy, like busy is kind of the catch all phrase for what starts to happen then. What we start to do when we get into busy mode is we get into our heads as well because we tell ourselves, oh, I can't slow down. Um, 
And if we start feeling a little bit lethargic, we start telling ourselves, I shouldn't feel like this. I couldn't possibly stop. You know, like, what if I didn't finish that project? What would people think? I'm not going to be good enough. And all of those thoughts, the what if I fail? What if I'm not going to be good enough? That's, that's big for the brain. The brain hears what if I fail and goes into like, oh my God, there's 10 tigers chasing you mode. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so these, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So this is, um, so, so what I teach then is um, also when you're in your head, you're kind of in that left brain, aren't you? You're in analytical mode. You're judging yourself yet. Yeah, you're figuring out, should I, shouldn't I? So step one is the rest. And, and instead of thinking of rest as, oh my God, you need to stop absolutely everything. What I'm essentially teaching my clients to do is just treat literally a moment of, like that's sometimes step one or a moment of even having a coaching conversation is a bit of rest because it's getting you out of your head and it's starting to kind of, you know, slow mm. things down a little bit. We do a lot of, okay, instead of thinking of everything that's going on right now, let's just think of that one thing that happened yesterday and let's tease it apart and let's kind of unpick it and see what that's all about. So that's part of it. Um, and what you get to do in that is you get to understand what happens for you personally when your brain is telling you you're not good enough or when your brain thinks there's a tiger. So, you know, Simran, for you, you might, um, your brain might say that and you might go and sign up to 10 different projects and suddenly go on overdrive and work till midnight every night. For me, my brain might tell me, oh my God, that's so petrifying, that's so scary. And I start slacking off on the job and procrastinating and only looking at the inbox and not doing any of the work. So we, we have different responses and that's what I help my, my clients understand is first of all, slow down for long enough to actually ask yourself some different questions because otherwise you're just in the same spiral start to understand the pattern that's going on. Yeah. Because if you can figure out what happens, then you can change it. If you have no idea what's happening, you know, without awareness, you have no leverage. And then the third part of it is really getting into your, you, you talked about flow state. For me, that's really getting you into your heart. It's really getting you into the right hand side of your brain. It's really getting for a lot of my clients, um, well, for anyone who gets stuck in your head, you're, you're very much in that analytical mode. You're not, you're saying, even your words are saying things like, this is what I think that makes sense. Instead of saying, this is how I want to feel. So there's some nuances there as well. Um, and if I could sum all of that up in like, just a, like a snapshot as to how I would work with my clients then, is there's kind of, there's three prisms to it, three, three prisms, three pillars, um, is that your, your head and your thoughts and your thinking, yes, is very valuable, but it's been on overdrive for a while. So let's put it on pause for a bit. Understand what, what are you actually doing? What are some of the actions and behaviors? Like, let's understand those patterns. And then let's get into your heart. Let's get into the feelings. Let's get into how you actually want to experience your life. Does that make sense? I'm sensing some questions. It absolutely does. Um, I just went. 
Yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm a very curious person to begin with. So I always have a hundred questions <laughs> in my mind. Um, so I'm, what I'm finding really, really interesting about this. So, okay. You can educate me. Is this where the NLP part of it comes in? Like you said, the, you're saying something to yourself. And so that's the linguistic part of it. Yeah, yeah definitely. I'll start with that question and then yeah. kind of back so, Yeah. So part of it is that it's like unpicking some of, um, some of what's already going on. And what I think about is when we're stuck in our heads, we're only processing through one filter or one kind of sense and it's getting you back into your full expression of all of you so as a human being we are here to experience life like if you um you know anyone that you talk to might say oh yeah you yeah, know i want to um you know i want to go on the holidays and i want to own all the cars and all the houses and and then they you know get to that point and it's like yeah i don't really feel any different because actually what people really want is connection and love and experience, right? So life is all about experience. So I'm going off on a tangent, but let me bring it back to um, how NLP, the neuro-linguistic programming comes up here, or at least how I use it because, you know, I integrate a lot of different things, but it's really coming, coming back to questioning yourself and saying, okay, if this is, this is what I'm thinking. I, I can kind of identify that this thought has come up that, oh my God, I better do this. And I, I've got to hand that thing on on time and I better go and finish my to-do list. And you know, that you can identify some of the thoughts. Then I ask you to do things like, well, identify like what's, um, what are some of the things that you're hearing around you? Like what are some of the people saying around you or what is um, that, that are coming into your ears that are making you like triggering you to behave in that certain way. So maybe it's like, oh, my boss said, hey, your report was late. So when I hear, hey, my report is late, I then do X, Y, Z, or I then think X, Y, Z, or I then feel. Yeah. So it's, what are, you, um, what are you hearing? What are you saying? Um, either externally to people or inside your own head. What are you telling yourself? How are you feeling in your body? Like we have you know, what are you seeing as well? Like there's all these different senses, like we have, you know, five, five senses or even this, you know, the sixth secret sense, you know, it's getting people to use the modality that they haven't been using, you know, enough of. I love that you just said that. So, cause the way this is processing for me, I'm going to break this down just to yeah. hopefully share with the audience. Maybe they'll get the same thing that I did out of it. That, you know, with the neuroscience aspect, we're acknowledging the fact that, you know, hey, certain things trigger fight or flight. And we each have an individual customized response to that. And if we could learn the filter of slow down, pause, breathe, you know, enter rest instead of entering fight or flight as an alternative. That is actually a filter that when you're talking about neuro-linguistic programming, because we all have our own default programming, it's something new we're introducing there and saying, here's one more filter to take in the world through. And then you can then now take all that information and shift it forward and stop existing fully just in your mind and start existing in your whole self that way. And to me, I think the way this is translating is like, I am so quick to acknowledge that I think for the first, you know, 30 
31 years of my life, I probably existed 100% only in my brain. I would take care of my body really well to the best of my ability, you know, yoga, walking, swimming, doing the whole thing. But then it wasn't until I gave birth to my son that I literally entered my body, I think, for the first time in my entire life. And then shifted gears to living in my body. I still live in my mind quite a bit, you know, but to having a closer to what would be a balance between living in my body and my mind. I used to feel like I was just like this brain that was floating around that happened to be attached to a body. And now I feel the groundedness of just actually being in my body. Yeah. And so I think that's kind of what you're saying is that like, when you get to that space, you're sort of entering that holistic viewpoint where you can shift a lot more about yourself because then the way you do things, the way you talk about things, the way you filter them, the way you process them and recognize, acknowledge them is going to change. And what I heard the most of is like, it all starts with that pause. Yeah. And it all starts with that ability to acknowledge that you need to enter rest. Yeah, absolutely. And am I on the right page? Yeah, for sure. And that might sound like so simple, like, oh, just rest. And then like the rest is taken care of, right? But that's the hardest, hardest part, particularly when you've been in your head for so long. So part of my role then as your coach is to give you a different perspective. So like you said, in terms of like, it's almost like a new filter. It's like, hey, yeah, okay, cool. So that's how you've been viewing the world. What would it look like if you kind of, walked up the mountain and looked at it from this point or walked down the river and looked at it over here or like, you know, put on a pair of sunglasses. So it's just kind of giving you a feeling for like, how, how else could you view this? And one of the ways that we do that is through our belief system. So, and beliefs are kind of like the stories we're making up in our heads or, um, you know, what we're telling ourselves in that moment, um, So when it comes to rest and actually creating the pause to even think, that's actually the the biggest challenge, particularly for that. Um, If you're someone who's like used to kind of giving and achieving and pleasing others, because for you to challenge how you've always done things, it feels really scary because it's so uncertain. And it's so like, I don't know what's on the other side of that. If I rest, maybe the world will fall apart. Like I'm exaggerating, but like, that's kind of what's going on inside of our heads. It's like, I couldn't possibly rest because we've told ourselves that if we rest, then that will look bad. If, if I were to stop, what would people think? So whilst I love that you sort of brought it back to hang on, the starting point is really rest, which it is. It's also the biggest hurdle. And so many people will get to that kind of doorway of rest. They'll be like, oh, cool. Yeah, I kind of get, I need to open this door right now, but they'll open it a little bit and be like, oh my God, I haven't, like, it's just too much for them. Like, it's too unknown. So what they do instead is they close the door and they turn back and they keep doing what they've been doing. And that's where we really get stuck in those patterns of behavior. That's where things like busy become a cycle because you've tried to open the door. It's like, oh, the thought of, that uncertainty is almost worse than the uncomfortable feeling of being busy or stressed or overwhelmed or whatever your thing is. 
So we're talking about beliefs here. Now what is happening for me visually in this is like in my imagination is like this, this epic war between um, your nervous system that is programmed through evolution as a cave woman, caveman to not rest because the response is fight or flight. And then there's this concept fighting it, battling it of rest is the key entryway to all of the changes, all the positive changes. So, okay. The question coming for me is that, is this something that's so hardwired inside of us that rest is like, that's why we struggle with rest? Or is it that we as a society have become so deeply programmed not to rest that mm. it's become habitual, it's almost become a compulsion yeah. to not rest. And we don't, and it's, it's subconscious, but it is controllable and we're not doing it versus it is so instinctual that it has to be a very, very conscious thought to battle it. Like which side of the coin yeah. is probably more accurate there? Sorry, first of all, our bodies are built to rest. Like that's exactly like our bodies are built to constantly be in the mode of coming back into balance. That's what our bodies do. Um, mm. So like you even think about this when it manifests in terms of like, uh, you know, physical diseases and things like that, the, what the body is doing is constantly fighting to come into balance. So part of that is it's at, we are naturally, naturally, naturally um, built to be on and off. We need both. Ah, okay. But what, so but, when we're talking evolution, we're actually saying that the default response is to be on and off. It's not to always be running or fighting. Yeah. Abs but the running and fighting, the fight or flight, is only when our safety is compromised. So that's when that gets triggered, which is what we spoke about before, which is what's happened, though, is in modern, our modern lives, we're constantly triggered. It's happening too often. Yeah. 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 And what I believe then is um, our, you know, how you have been programmed, like each of us individually, is, and, and this is what neuroscience is actually, like the scientific research behind this, they've done like brain scans and all sorts of things like this, is we absolutely can reprogram ourselves. That's what's like the coolest thing. So even if you've been telling yourself for decades, um, you know, just to kind of um, emphasize it here, you know, if I rest, I will die. That's kind of what the brain's thinking because of that constant fight or flight mode that's been triggered. Um, you can change that because that is stemmed simply from what you're telling yourself, which is if I rest, I will die. You know, I'm being extreme here. So part of the process then, which is a lot of, you know, the coaching that I do then is to get you to do the rewiring. So it's not just that, you know, when you, when you think of, if you've ever heard people talking about like what you tell yourself or the voices inside your head, or, you know, this is kind of the premise of affirmations as well. It's not just come up with something lovely and nice, nice to say, which is nice, but you actually, the, the integration is about, well, what's the actual, um, what's the actual story that comes around this? What am I believing about what will happen when I when I do X, Y, or Z, when I get triggered or like when my brain thinks, um, you know, next time someone um, 
gives me some negative feedback and usually I'd go into defensive mode, what could I do instead? Like, what's the story I could say? You know, I could literally tell my brain, hey, you're safe, you're safe, you're safe. You know, that's, that's, that's why we use the words because it actually changes um, our bodily response. And, you know, I love that you just said that because I can attest to it 100%. I'll share this just anecdote from my own life. So about a year and a half ago, a little over that, um, I started what was a simple experiment because all of my work comes from, you know, let's experiment before we set up a full-fledged system in your life of something. And it was just that. what would happen if for one week I stopped right after putting my son to bed? What if I did not go back downstairs and clean all the other, you know, dishes? What if I didn't vacuum? What if I didn't go back to work? What yeah. would happen in my world? And if I just chose that time to sit down quietly and decompress or take a bath or do something that was physically or mentally regenerating or allowing me to actually check out, not in an unhealthy way, but just in an entertaining, you know, like filling my spirit kind of way. Or if we yeah. spend um, an hour, hour and a half together as husband and wife, just reconnecting at the end of the day, because it's so hard to talk with a toddler around, you know? Um, and I kid you not, like nothing in my world ended. If anything, everything just got a lot more enriched over the last year and a half, because it was like, now I have a hard deadline for myself where until there's an exception, as long as it's at that minimum place where we're not going to get like creepy crawly things coming in the house. <laughs> um, and there's so much more there in the world that can be done if I'm relaxed or if we're connecting or, you know, and we started doing this thing where we played board games sometimes at night because it was like, it's hard to just go on a date every day, you know, yeah. at night or something. But this is a fun way to just reconnect and have fun and just joke around. And I feel such a change on a cellular level now, a year and a half later, in terms of my sense of calm and my inner just, I don't know, guidance yeah. being a lot more um, dusted off. I want to say. Yeah, I totally get that. And everything that you've just said there, like it's much, I feel much more fun. I feel much more connected. I feel much calmer. All of those are emotional experiences. All of those are in your heart. All of that is coming from the right-hand side of the brain. And if you could live yeah, with all of that more often in your life, like that's kind of what it's about, isn't it? And if you were making decisions, even in your business from that place, don't you make better decisions? Don't you create better work? Don't you, you know, just flow better? Oh, 100% of the way. I mean, I've taken that concept. That's how I start my morning because my morning is like, I'm the only one that's awake. And so really just letting myself enter flow um, and creativity. And I see that sometimes what I'm able to create in those very early morning hours before everyone else wakes up looks like it took less time to do, but yeah. it has more magnitude for my business than just doing the routine things that my mind says are yeah. probably required. Yeah. It's such, such a cool example. Um, 
you know, some, a similar kind of anecdote from my own life that came to mind as you were sharing is um, I'd reached this, uh, you know, very burnt out point in my own life where I was, you know, in retrospect, all in my head, like everything was about, I must do this extra thing. I must study masters full time plus, you know, run the show at work because no one else is around and still do all the social things and still be a good partner, et cetera, et cetera. And it started like I was actually, you know, had reached a point of burnout in terms of like I was getting migraines, I had digestive issues. And one of the very first kind of changes for me was the space, this pause. I, I took some time off from work and I went for a coffee by myself and like all alone, like suddenly it was all like stress, 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 busy, 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 high mode, people everywhere. And then suddenly I was like off work. My partner was at work. My friends were at work and I was like, <gasps> like, what do I do? Like literally the panic in my body, like, oh my God, oh my God. I got told I'm not like, I mustn't do anything. You know, like the, the, the doctor said, just chill out. Like, how do you just chill out? You know? So I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to the coffee shop. And you know, you're sitting, I, I was sitting there and I'm like, my body was literally nervous. Like, I'm like, what do I do? Like, do I write something? Do I read my book? Like, and that's, that's kind of what we're talking about when we're talking about that fight or flight mode. That's kind of your brain trying to compute, like it's on high alert sort of thing. Um, and it was because what I was telling myself is it's not okay to like, if I stop, then I'm not good enough. Like, you know, if, if I were to, uh, what are people going to think? I'm not at work. Like they're going to think I'm this like terrible person and I'm not good at my job and I'm just a fraud. And um, what is, and then I was at the coffee shop thinking, what is everyone going to think? I'm just sitting here all by myself. They're going to think I'm such a loner, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so like, you know, all of that comes up. Right. But it was actually the biggest turning point for me because what I did is I, over time, that's become my, um, my space, how I get grounded, how I learn to be okay by myself. And what changed as I started, you know, to tell myself something different. So similarly to what you've done in, in saying like, it's okay for me to stop at this time and not do anything else. And I need that connection. And, you know, that's really your rest, your space, your spaciousness. For me, it became like, going for dates by myself and over time you know whilst it was really nerve-wracking because it felt like i was stopping and it felt like i wasn't on and not working and not producing um it's actually become an incredible um fuel for my creativity and just for my energy and health and you know sometimes it feels like i'm being super luxurious sitting at a coffee shop going la -di -da -di -da. but actually when i don't have that that's where all that stress kind of builds up. Um, but what the, the big thing that changed is what I was telling myself is it's okay to do this. Like it's safe to do this. Um, this is actually really nourishing for you. Um, you, you know, space is important. This is a priority. You know, I will be okay if I stop, you know, all, you know, the language around it really changed as well. So that sounds really incredible. And so I'm going to tie this in. I was looking through your website before the interview and you have this concept of karma coaching mm -hmm. on there. Is that something that came about after you were able to have this connection with yourself? And can you talk about it a little bit? Because I thought to me, I was just so pleasantly surprised to see this on your website that you have such spaciousness in your business plan to be able to allow that and to 
step aside and think of alternatives. So can you talk to that? Was it was it relevant around this coffee date? Like just, you know, give mm. us the backstory. Oh, that's interesting. Um, so, so what karma coaching is, is really, um, I just had this feeling of kind of wanting, wanting like wanting what I do or coaching to be accessible for people, if, if that makes sense. So I know for me, so often I'd go through these times where I'm like, oh no, I couldn't possibly do a yoga class because I don't have the money right now, or I don't have the space, or it's too scary, or I don't know what to expect or just anything like that. And so, um, and I was also at the time kind of going through a period of like, really learning lots about my business and um, learning from some really incredible people. And then I would be connecting with people. So it was kind of, um, and recognizing some areas of business that I could do with some support with as well. So it was two or three things that came together. And I know a lot of your listeners are entrepreneurs. So I will kind of speak from a business perspective here, which for me at that particular point in my business, I felt like one, I wanted to be um, sometimes I, I know you'll probably recognize like sometimes you go through periods of working on the business versus in the business. So yes. I was really craving, like, I want to be coaching more right now. Like that was, you know, part of it. I will admit like that was quite an honest, like, I, just, I, I want more right now. And I want to be connecting with cool people. The second part of it was connection. It's like, let's, you know, let's build a kind of, um, almost like a community, like mastermindy type feel. And then the third element um, was really just recognizing that for at, at some stages in our life, we want and need certain types of um, support and there's always a way to get it. Like there is always a way. So this is just kind of coming up with a creative way to offer people that in terms of um, in yoga, I know like a lot of the, the yoga teachers when they're first starting out, they'll do karmic exchanges. So it's just kind of saying, hey, I know that, you know, you're an exceptional masseuse and I do private yoga lessons. Let's like spend a period of time together teaching each other, you know, embracing each other's skill sets and um, we get to experience each other as well. And in doing that, because a lot of services, you need an experience of it. Like you can't just be like, oh, um, I, I mean, I'm pretty fussy with my yoga teachers. I like to like try them out and then I get my favorites. And so it gives people an opportunity to get to know each other's services as well. And then, you know, it becomes much more of a natural trade if you're then either recommending them for your future clients or you want to support them in a different way. Like it's just kind of, it was just, yeah. It, it, if I'm completely honest, there wasn't much of like a strategic business model angle to it. It just... It came to it came at a time when I was like, yeah, I want to do this. And um, my vision for the business is actually to offer, um, you know, different coaching scholarships and exchanges, and um, you know, have big kind of going to you know take over the world. No, um, big big plans in order to kind of support <laughs> women in developing countries to really kind of have some of these skill set to get that. Um, level of groundedness and self-belief and, you know, challenge some of their thinking patterns as well. And I, I guess karma coaching was, you know, one little seed in that direction for me at the time. What I really, I think deep down as well, love about this idea is that you are saying I'm good enough because I have value in what I'm offering. Yeah. And it's okay if you don't have, you know, money 
paper money per se to offer me, but give me something else of equal value back, intrinsically equal value back. Instead of saying, okay, you know what? Um, I'm not good enough. I'm just going to give this away for free because I want to help people. And then opening yourself to just being taken advantage of. Yeah. You know, I think this creates an energetic boundary here, which is yes. wonderful and such a good example for people of how to get started in their business if you're just getting started or if they are in that position, like you said, where they just want to do more of being in the business versus working on the business. You know, it sets a really good role model for a way to approach things without undervaluing and undercutting your own self energetically. All right, absolutely. And I love that you brought that up because I really wanted to make that um, that point on boundaries really clear. So just um, just before that, like, yeah, it does, it helps your confidence, you know, depending on what stage of business you're at, not just yours, but it could be the person that you're kind of doing this exchange with because it does make you step up, like you say, from like moving from like, offering services for free to going, no, we are all valuable. We're all equal. We all have businesses. Let's, you know, let, you know, let's see what we can do, but I will make the point on boundaries. And I think this is incredibly important because at some point you have to really, you know, create really strong boundaries and they can change. So you might start with a pretty open offer. And then over time, it is totally okay for you to change your mind for you to say it's, one exchange a year or for you to just stop doing it or for you to say it's only on Mondays, whatever it is, I think it's highly important that you have the boundary in place and to be super clear and specific about what it is. So I love that because I think so many solopreneurs struggle with boundaries. Mm -hmm. It is just such a touchy area. Um, And then, you know, as we wrap up though, is there anything else in terms of advice then for the spiritual minded entrepreneurial crowd that as a coach, you would just say like, these are my big tips for you. If you are just starting out or you're in here um, to shift yourself towards positivity because I feel like your major message here is that you can take being from a negative place habitually even and then go straight towards being in a place of positivity and flourishing and nourishing yourself yeah so okay so three things I've just because I wrote down a couple of points there so there's three things that I'll draw out then specifically particularly for like the solopreneur crowd right because we just love to give and like we're in it because we just love helping people and if we could just do our trade forever we'd be pretty happy um but we're we're also in business and we're you know we are exceptional at what we do and we need to value that for what it's worth so the point on boundaries I think would be my top tip um that's been super helpful in terms of my own personal life my professional life and what i teach my clients as well um that's different for everyone so you know for me that's things like i don't take clients on fridays fridays tend to be my morning in a coffee shop and i see how the afternoon plans out sometimes that means writing sometimes it doesn't you know like i leave fridays are my flexible day Um, you know, that's just one small example. So just getting clear on what yours are personally, like, what do you need, um, to take care of you? 
Um, the second point is probably um, kind of this realization because we're solopreneurs, because we're, you know, maybe spiritually minded or really high, you know, high caring types, we probably think that we are, oh, we're operating from our heart space already. No, I'm definitely in my right brain space all the time. However, I would challenge that. And I'm relearning this lesson over and over again myself because I'm kind of, um, you know, like a recovering high achiever. Like I still love achievement. Don't get me wrong. Like it's just about the way in which you, like I like to be ambitious. I like to grow. Like, but just kind of challenging yourself to go because you're probably of that mindset and you're pretty ambitious and you like growth and all of that and you love, you know, personal development. Um, that tendency is actually probably meaning that you're in your head a lot. You're overanalyzing things. You're beating yourself up. You're like, should I, shouldn't I? What's the next step in business? Oh my God, have I done that wrong? Oh my God, I haven't got any more clients or I have got clients or that person said, I, you know, anytime you're in that mode, you're in your head. And um, even though you're a soulful person, it doesn't mean that you're always in your heart. So just kind of check yourself on that. I know I've had to do that a little bit lately. Um, you know, I had a coaching session, like receiving coaching myself recently. And I kind of got annoyed at my coach when she told me, yeah, you sound like you're in your head. I was like, no, no, I'm very good at being in my heart. And then I was like, oh, there it is. Yeah. So just kind of just a reminder, like, I think that that's been super valuable for me. Um, and then the third point, just on this kind of, you talked about kind of being in that positive headspace. For me, the best um, thing that I, I guess, have learned and continue to do is just jump straight in. Just jump straight in. Like, no matter what it is, there is basically no way you can stuff this up. Like, it's your business. Like, you, 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 you just cannot stuff it up, right? So just jump straight in. If that, if that looks like, you know, changing your mind about your client avatar three times in three months, fine. Just give it a go. Try it out. You know, if it means doing some video posts and you don't have makeup on and you haven't brushed your hair in three days, just do it. Like it doesn't, it, it, it just kind of doesn't matter. Um, if you listen to a podcast and, um, you know, loved their suggestion about, uh, doing an editorial calendar, like planning your content out, give it a go. Like whatever jumps out to you, just trust it and try it. You're never going to know if you don't try it. I love all three of those suggestions. And I'm going to just share a little tidbit here from behind the scenes. Something funny just happened actually. <laughs> um, so we have so many just random animals that are just like all over the place near where we live. And right as I was asking you that question, and I had in the back of my head, I was like, I really hope that Danielle's answer just really packs a punch and serves the people who are listening, who are ready for the transformation. And I kid you not, I had a little fox run up to my window just now. And I'm a big on spirit animals. So I just Googled this really quick, just, you know, and it says that, and I'm, I'm going to translate this in the sense that people, if you listen to what she just said and you actually implement it, what's coming for you is what is going to be a period of change. One that's tough and unpredictable. The fox urges you to act swiftly, but be guided by your wisdom and intuition to be resourceful and flexible if you want to emerge victorious. And I feel like you just gave the recipe mm. for that just now. That is just incredible. So, I love that so much. 
I know. I think that was just like, that was such a universe moment that just transpired just now. <laughs> and so I think this is just take that last two minutes and apply that. If that's what you take away from this interview, I mean, my gosh, the transformation mm. I think that people can have from that. So thank you so much for sharing. That, that was incredible. I've just thoroughly enjoyed the conversation and I really trust that everyone's some little nugget of value out of it. I do too. So as we wrap up, I'm going to ask my favorite question. What is your favorite ice cream flavor? Oh my goodness. What a great question. Anything caramelly related. So like chunks of caramel or salted caramel or swirls of caramel ribbon. Mm, yeah. Butterscotch, you know, anything of that variety. <laughs> oh, butterscotch. Okay. You just hit my heart. Um, <laughs> I love that. And caramel too is just like one of my all time favorites, like anything with caramel. Yeah. So we now are definitely on the head. same wavelength there. I'm going to have to go buy some this afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> so before you go out and get your ice cream, where can people find you online? Sorry. Yeah. So come on over to Instagram. If you hang out on Instagram, I'm at the Daisy patch coaching. Um, otherwise if you head to my website, which is the daisy patch.co.uk, um, you'll find all the kind of contact details over there and my email address. So feel free to drop me a line. I love connecting with people, um, particularly in this, in this space. So yeah. That is great. And I would highly suggest you all go look her up and start figuring out how you can shift your space, shift your mind, shift your business and um, all the possibilities that exist there. Thank you so much, Danielle. Thanks, Simran. I want to say a big thank you for listening in. Without your support, there wouldn't be a podcast. If you've gained insight or inspiration from this podcast, please subscribe for regular updates and please share this podcast with someone you know who will benefit. Do you have a story to share about your own soulpreneur lifestyle that you've set up? Have a life or business problem you'd love a system for? or want to be an anonymous caller for one of our live segments, then go to your Anchor app or the Anchor website, find this show, and click on Message and record your story or question. You can also find the show notes on our website at flowation.com backslash T-S-L-P. That's F-L-O-W-A-T-I-O-N dot com backslash T-S-L-P. And subscribe to the TSLP Insider to get a look behind the scenes of what it takes to bring this podcast to life. And get some exclusive offers that are only available to our email subscribers. Also, don't forget to follow at Flowation on Instagram to get updates about this podcast. Mm-hmm.